economic headlines come at us from all directions these days, from inflation to retirement, throwing some stock market news in there too, and it's easy to get lost in the numbers. What's going on with the economy? And more importantly, how are those influences affecting business and life here in Northwest North Carolina? From the Boone Area Chamber of Commerce, this is Mind Your Business. Mind Your Business, brought to you by Appalachian Commercial Real Estate, providing professional commercial real estate services. Visit AppalachianCRE.com. Hello and welcome into another episode of Mind Your Business. I'm David Jackson, President and CEO of the Boone Area Chamber of Commerce. Our program brought to you each week by our friends at Appalachian Commercial Real Estate. We thank you for the downloads and subscriptions and remind you that you can subscribe to this program wherever you happen to get your podcast. We'll be bringing you business news that you can use from right here in the mountains of Northwest North Carolina. I grew up a baseball fan. Breakfast when I was a kid was a bowl of cereal and a box score. I just had to read the numbers to see what the stars had done, what the standings were, who the Cubs were putting on the mound that night. Needed all of it. Many of you have a similar cadence around financial numbers. We all have our data points to check daily, account balances, retirement returns, investments, maybe even some news about trends, just so we know what to expect next. It's hard sometimes to manage the context of the numbers that we hear. Do the headlines truly impact our day-to-day or even year-to-year planning? Some of these key topics we certainly feel, like inflation, a word that we've said or referenced a million times in the last couple of years. Remember when COVID was the word that we couldn't stop saying? We talk inflation, but what is inflation actually doing to us here in Northwest North Carolina? Where do we see it in our business behavior or even personal wallets? What local signs point to change in the evolving economic landscape? If I can urge you to do one thing this week, it's to consider your trusted advisors and sources for economic news, especially you business owners, because chances are sometimes you feel a different story than is being shared in the national news or even on social media. You may actually notice trends changing faster than the news cycle can sometimes keep up. Here in Northwest North Carolina, we're in a tourism-driven economy, and oftentimes traveler behavior is an early indicator of change or maybe even just stability, or both. Point being, have your people, have your sources that you trust, and pay attention. Maybe not to the point where you are consumed fully, but enough at least to have knowledge about what your financial situation is and what it could be should we see another shift on the horizon. Fortunately, we here at the Boone Area Chamber of Commerce have a source for this type of information ourselves, and it is time once again for our quarterly check-in with Jonathan Allen of Allen Wealth Management as we ask, what's going on in the economy? Tax season is here. We have some scoop on that, including some things that a few of you can still do as it relates to the 2023 tax year. Sure, we'll humor you and talk inflation. We would be negligent if we did not do that, especially as it relates to the Fed and interest rates. We've talked with a lot of business owners and individuals lately that feel like they're on the brink of a big purchase. Maybe that's moving into a building. Maybe that's buying a car for the business or for themselves. Is now the time, especially if you're borrowing money. One of my favorite topics to get into with Jonathan, and we'll discuss this in depth, the value of cash in today's economy. All of these things and plenty more with Jonathan Allen of Allen Wealth Management here in just a moment. 
But first things first, quick sponsor shout out time. Appalachian Commercial Real Estate solves simple and complex commercial real estate problems in and around the Boone area and beyond. Whether you own or lease commercial real estate, regardless of the property type, have an advocate on your side, along with the expertise and experience to assist you and your business. For more information, check out their website, AppalachianCRE.com. Appalachian Commercial Real Estate, the title sponsor of our 8th annual 4 Under 40 Awards coming up in the month of April. Our nomination deadline for those awards is Friday, March 1st, so the clock is ticking as we record this on Leap Day. We are planning to announce the finalists for the 8th Annual 4 Under 40 Awards on Tuesday, March 5th. So be on the lookout for that as we recognize emerging leaders in our community over four different professional categories. We have business owners, education professionals, nonprofit business professionals, and rising stars. Those people within the business that might not own it, but they sure are impactful to the bottom line and more. Full details about the 4 Under 40 Awards available at boonchamber.com including that all-important nomination link. If you can get it into us by noon, Friday, March 1st, you can maybe see one of your nominees walk across the stage. Also, early voting coming to a conclusion with next Tuesday serving as North Carolina's primary day at the ballot box. Make sure you check out that episode from last week with Matt Snyder, director of the Watauga County Board of Elections. He's got details on early voting that ends this weekend, but also what's required when you vote, what's on the ballot during primary season. And there's a hint here. There's something for everybody, regardless of whether or not you're a registered voter with one specific party or if you're an independent. There is something for you on the ballot this time. You can find out more details by listening to the episode with Matt Snyder that came to you last week. You can always get those things right into your podcast inbox if you subscribe to Mind Your Business wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time for our quarterly update with Jonathan Allen from Allen Wealth Management on this week's episode of Mind Your Business. Mind Your Business, brought to you by Appalachian Commercial Real Estate. Offering sales, leasing, consulting, and appraisal services. Visit AppalachianCRE.com. We are excited today to check in with Jonathan Allen of Allen Wealth Management and get an update on all that's going on financially here in the high country and beyond. Jonathan, always appreciate your time. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, so we were talking a few minutes ago before we started to record about just this sense of what I'd like to call economic anxiety. Uh, things going along pretty well, but it just kind of feels like um, we we are continuing to watch these bubbling issues, uh, either economically or politically, uh, that that could have ramifications down the road. And it it feels like for all the things that are going well, there's this layer of kind of odd uncertainty out there. Would you say that's true? Yeah, absolutely. This is really, uh, I, I will tell you that I've experienced some of that same thing uh, in talking with clients and others in the community. Uh, things seem to be going really well on a lot of different fronts, but there is just a feeling of, of unease and anxiety that seems to permeate pretty much pretty much every conversation that I have. Uh, and I think that, that some of that is maybe uh, what the decade that we've lived through. I think everybody's a little bit anxious, uh, just kind of in what's the next shoot to, shoot to drop. But, you know, if you look at uh, unemployment, unemployment is still well below historic norms. Uh, historically, uh, we're usually about 5% unemployment, maybe even a little bit higher. Uh, we're we're sub four right now. We're like 3.7% on unemployment. Uh, when you look at inflation, inflation is down from where it was uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, uh, being eight or 9%. It's now around three. 
still elevated uh, from from what the Federal Reserve wants. But but you know again, things seem to be pretty good. You look at uh, real estate values seem to be high. The stock market seems to be high. But yet there's this unease that seems to be present. Uh, and I think a lot of that's maybe just uh, I think people have kind of some PTSD from from some of the crises from COVID and the great financial crisis even. Uh, and so I think there's just a period of unease right now. Well, and, and I think that with the primary right around the corner as well, and, and you know, we move into an election year, I, I think maybe some of that anxiety stems from people understand that that election years, presidential election years seem to have uh, the potential, doesn't necessarily always work out this way, but they have the potential to have a little bit more impact on short-term economic things, especially right after the election. But then, you know, you're talking about uh, all of the different things that happen when one party is in the White House versus another party in the White House. And that just kind of, again, isn't fun stuff to think about maybe all the time. Do do you see um, some of those things, or, or maybe I guess the better question is, what are some things that that you typically see in a presidential election year that while might not be on the radar just yet, might be some things that become talking points as we get into the summer and then on into the fall? Well, historically, uh, what happens usually is that, um, and especially when you think about how elections kind of unfold, uh, in a presidential election year, there's still a lot of uncertainty until about the conventions, right? And so, um, you know, in terms of parties and in terms of uh, them choosing their candidates and what that looks like. Um, and so what I think's happened this year, just again, my personal opinion is it seems like um, the everyone seems to kind of know who the candidates are. And so we kind of have an idea that, hey, it might be this rematch of Trump and Biden. And so what does that look like? And so I think that there's just um, some of the maybe uncertainty that we've seen in the first part of a typical election year. We don't exactly have that because we kind of see what the who the players are going to be. And it seems like we kind of know that, oh, this is the same script we've been following for the past few years. Um, so I think that some of that uncertainty has already been resolved, uh, whether or not that, you know, that's actually what happens later in the year. Uh, you know, that I've, I've heard wrangling on both sides that, that no, there's going to be a different candidate or whatever. But, um, but I would just say that's one thing that I think has kind of resolved itself. Uh, at least it seems like right now that we're going to have a rematch of Trump and Biden. And so looking at what those implications are, uh, from policy standpoint, we we kind of know what some of their policies have been, uh, certainly because we have an incumbent already, and then also because Trump has already been there. And so, so to me, I don't, I don't know that there's anything that's that surprising. And I think that may be what the market is kind of pricing in, what what the economy is kind of pricing in, what even the political parties seem to be pricing in right now for for kind of their expectations about you know how is this person, if they're elected, going to lead. And so, I think some of that uncertainty has already been answered for us. So when you look at that uh, alongside the Federal Reserve activity, and and I think a lot of folks thinking that that once we got to what that perceived plateau was mm-hmm. in terms of rate increases, that sure, by now we'll start to see things go down. And that isn't necessarily the action that's been taken yet. Uh, that will become a magnified issue, certainly in a presidential election year. But, but what have you seen in terms of Fed behavior uh, on its impact or maybe even perceived impacts on mm-hmm. on what uh, our economic picture here in the high country might look like. Yeah. So that's, this is a really interesting point. So the Federal Reserve is supposed to be apolitical. Uh, so they're not, even though they're politically appointed, uh, the Federal Reserve is not supposed to be political. And so there's a real thought process that uh, the Federal Reserve will not raise interest rates much or, much, or they won't um, change interest rates 
much because they don't want to be seen by either political party as trying to influence the election. And so coming into this year, uh, it, it was perceived that the Federal Reserve was going to be very aggressive in promoting the soft landing that people talk about, where the economy kind of drifts in, kind of like a plane landing really nicely, uh, drifts into the runway and everything's fine. And they reduce interest rates after this um, really robust increase in interest rates over the past few two years. Uh, but what's happened, and what I think is really interesting about this, is that those expectations have changed. And the expectations have gone from six rate cuts in this year, going into next year, to now it may be three. And I'm even starting to hear rumblings of people saying, no, uh, there's not going to be any rate cuts. And so, uh, you know, I think there's the truth. Who knows? Who knows exactly where that's going to land? But I would say from a very practical standpoint, uh, the Federal Reserve does not want to be seen as being political. And so there's some thoughts that maybe they'll lower rates once or twice this summer and then take a pause for the election, uh, maybe some from August till about November. And then maybe they'll have one more rate hike in our rate, excuse me, rate decrease uh, sometime late in the year. Uh, but there are starting to be people who are saying, listen, things are still really good. Unemployment's low. Inflation is still a little bit elevated from where they want it to be. So you're still starting to have some people even say, you know what, the rate, this is a contrarian view, but but there actually may be a rate hike in the future. Wow. Well, and, and that plays into you know some people that uh, maybe have been stockpiling some savings here over this last year, waiting for the, the Federal Reserve activity to, again, become a little bit more predictable or at least start moving in a direction that would be uh, a little bit kinder to people that are borrowing large amounts of money, making those big purchases. We've talked about this kind of thing before. Uh, so if people thought, OK, coming into 2024, it looks like this will be the year to maybe make that big renovation by the boat, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, what does activity look like right now? What, what would uh, some advice be about things to watch for to think, OK, maybe we are moving into a, a time where if you're going to try to buy a house, good luck with that. But but if All you're right. going to try to go down that road with major purchases, that these are the things that are that are showing that say now is the time. Yeah. So I do think there's there's a greater than average expectation that interest rates will drift lower this year. Now, it's probably going to be slower than what it is. If you look at the federal funds rate right now, the upper band is still around 5.5 percent. So it's still above five. But there is an expectation that the rates will actually start to go down at some point later this year. Uh, and so I think, you know, if you are in the market for buying a house, but, uh, you know, yes, it is very challenging for a lot of people to buy a house right now. Certainly prices, as we were talking about before, uh, we started recording prices in this area have gone up really dramatically. And that that's a key decision for a lot of people who move to our area from an economic perspective. And then also just from a hiring perspective, um, you know, demographically, as baby boomers retire, you know, people are looking for housing. Uh, and that's that's something that a lot of uh, it's going to influence a lot of business decisions in terms of people coming to the area and how attractive this area might be. But the, the short answer to your question, I think, is that uh, interest rates I think there is there is an expectation that sometime this summer that they will go down. And if that's the case, that's going to be a better than an average chance for those of you who've been waiting to purchase a house, maybe to lock in a certain interest rate um, because there is an expectation that rates will be higher for longer. So, yes, they may they may drift down a little bit lower, uh, but we may see a period of time where interest rates start to go back up. And the period of time I'm talking about is over the next five to 10 years, uh, interest rates will kind of normalize is what people people are saying. Um, is that the case? I don't know. We'll, we'll see if that that tends to be uh, kind of the direction that I think things may be headed. But that doesn't mean we won't have opportunities like right now where maybe this summer 
and interest rates falling where you could could go out and buy a mortgage, lock in a lower interest rate before interest rates go back up. Let us stop right there and take a quick break. More of our conversation with Jonathan Allen still to come after this word from our sponsor. Appalachian Commercial Real Estate provides professional commercial real estate services in the Boone area. They provide sales, leasing, consulting, and appraisal services to owners and users of commercial real estate. For more information, go to their website at AppalachianCRE.com. You know, you, you've done such a great job in our previous conversations of kind of uh, explaining what it means to have a, a mix of financial assets working in your behavior, whether that are uh, working in your uh, to your benefit, whether that is, you know, money invested in the stock market, um, you know, certain certain vehicles that are uh, are out there uh, for people to, to be able to, to make some financial gains for themselves and their families. I'll, I'll ask this question based on market behavior, presidential election year, you know, the Fed doing the Fed thing, right? How valuable is cash to people right now? And, and what are your thoughts around uh, cash behavior going into some of this this period of time where where again, uh, the economy is going to be front and center with a lot of people's minds? Yeah, this this is such a great question. So I I actually really like cash, uh, and and one of the reasons I like cash is because you're actually earning something now uh, for the, for basically a decade coming out of the financial crisis and over the past couple of years we weren't earning anything. We had a negative real rate of return. So that means the the rate you were getting paid less inflation. That's a real rate of return. We actually had a negative real rate of inflation. Uh, rate of return on a lot of cash for a long period of time. That's not the case anymore. So if you look at interest rates, let's just use the the base level. If you're looking at interest rates around five and inflation is three, that means your real rate of return is like a 2% interest rate. Now, that's not super exciting, but but I'll say that that is for for those savers and those people who are trying to set aside money for college or for uh, buying a house or a car or some major purchase. Um, you're actually getting paid to wait in cash right now with the market at all time highs, even though it's exciting. If you're trying to save for a house, or if you're trying to save for some other, you know, maybe intermediate goal that you're looking for, um, that that's cash is a great place to hide. Uh, so, you know, I don't, there's a lot of people who talk about cash is trash. I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't think it's, it's very true at all. I think it's a great option uh, because you can always take that cash and convert it into a house or take that cash and convert it into retirement savings or whatever it is. Um, so I think that actually makes a lot of sense to have have some cash within reason uh, as part of your overall investment strategy. Uh, you all uh, certainly in the midst of tax season right now, like all of our financial professionals here throughout the community. Um, you know, there are some people that may be gathering all those materials and, and having a little bit of reflux on the things that they didn't do. Maybe the the uh, the, the advantages that they didn't take with giving or or any number of things. This is also a time that's representative of the most runway to make significant change. So of of those people that are coming to you all right now with that, man, I wish I would have done this. What are some of those tripping points that may be, um, you know, something that that while it might not help you for 2023's tax year, changes that you can make now uh, next time uh, or this time next year might might lead to a little different outcome for folks. Definitely. So this is, uh, it seems to be that everybody has a little bit of um, um, just maybe anxiety related to taxes. And that certainly is understandable. Um, Keep in mind, there are still a couple things that you can do from a perspective this year uh, to actually influence last year's tax bill. So a couple really good examples. Uh, If you have not made any contributions to IRAs, you can actually make contributions to IRAs for not only 2024, the year we're currently in, 
but you can also make them for 2023 as well. So last year, uh, if you had the income and you worked, you could actually make a contribution of $6,500, which would reduce would reduce your taxable income. Uh, if you're over age 50, you can do actually $7,500. Uh, so that's something you can do in this year that actually reduces your tax bill for last year. Uh, another thing that I'll just mention to you, keep in mind that for 2024, rates actually uh, the contribution limits for IRAs actually went up. Uh, it went from 6,500 to 7,000. Uh, the catch-up contribution is still 1,000. So again, for 2024, if you're over 50, you can do $8,000. Um, also, one other thing I'll mention is that 401k contributions, 403b, 457 plan contributions all went up. Also, keep in mind that if you are self-employed and you don't have a retirement plan, uh, depending on uh, the the income that you're showing, you could uh, open up a SEP IRA. That's another tax planning strategy for an employer-sponsored plan where you could actually reduce last year's tax bill uh, this year. So one of the things that I like to tell clients is, yeah, that, those are a couple things that you can do to influence last year, but the best tax planning you can probably do begins right now. And so if you can start uh, increasing a little bit more to your 401k, increasing a little bit more to your 403b or 457, you know, monthly contributions are a lot easier than making some huge contribution towards the end of the year. Uh, the other thing I encourage a lot of people to do is just, it's a discipline. When you end up getting paid, pay yourself first. That's one of the things that's very important. Um, and by doing that, uh, that's going to be a really valuable way that you can, can not only reduce your taxable income, but hold on to more of what you make. Well, we see this community, and I know we've talked about this before too, uh, we've seen this community over time be so philanthropically motivated with all of our great nonprofits here and, and really seems like that is part of our DNA from a community standpoint. Um, again, with so much tax volatility over the course of COVID and all of the different things that changed for a brief period of time, I'll ask again from a standard deduction perspective, how valuable is the giving? Are you seeing people taking advantage of that again now versus, uh, you know, times maybe a few years ago where it was harder to uh, maybe justify from a tax perspective uh, making gifts because you you couldn't get to the right threshold, so to speak. Yeah. What, what an interesting question. And, and so I'll say that the stuff that we're seeing, you know, most people in America, when they're filing their tax return, will take the standard deduction. So back uh, a couple of years ago, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act came out, they increased the standard deduction pretty dramatically. And so one of the reasons they did that is to make tax return uh, simpler and, and to make it easier so that people didn't have to keep track of all these um, itemized expenses, whether it's medical expenses, state income taxes, charitable giving, whatever it may be. Um, and so we haven't seen a big change there for itemized deductions versus standard. But what I'll say I do see a lot of uh, is for those who are um, have IRAs and they are required to take required minimum distribution. So uh, for those of you who might be a little bit older, if you are required to take a required minimum distribution from your IRA, what I'm seeing a lot of people do is rather than recognize that IRA distribution as income, what they're doing is they're giving it to charity. It's called a qualified charitable distribution. Even if you take the standard deduction, you can you can give that money away to charity. It's not included on your taxable income. So you don't have to itemize, which is a great a great part of this. And you still get a tax benefit for it. So the charity wins, uh, you win. And it just it seems like a really, really good strategy. So that's what I'm seeing. I, I would tell you that a lot of our um, clients and a lot of people that I know, it's an extremely effective uh, way of giving. Uh, there are some limitations to it, but again, for most people, they're not going to bump into that. Uh, and so I would just say it's it's a really, really good strategy, especially as you age. If you have organizations that you care about, that's a great way to give money away. 
Well, and, and certainly we, we know that over the last few years, our nonprofit community has had to get creative at times. So if there's an easy strategy uh, that exists for you to give to that favorite charity uh, here in the high country or wherever that might be, uh, always great to, to know what those opportunities are so you can make that gift. Um, Jonathan, as we close out, uh, I know you, you and your staff do such a great job of keeping your your heads on a swivel uh, because there's a lot that that impacts the work you do and the, the uh, uh, consulting that you're able to give your clients. Anything else that sticks out on the radar right now that you'd like uh, people to consider as we move a little bit closer towards summertime and maybe some people starting to spend some of that money they're saving here in the winter? Yeah. So just really quickly, you know, a lot of times uh, I think people are looking for silver bullets. They're looking for something that's really, really, you know, some killer investment strategy or some uh, killer tax savings or, or some killer whatever it may be. But I'll tell you, the, the people that I've seen that are that are the most successful are the ones who get the details right. And, and what I mean by that is they um, live beneath their means. They save a certain percentage of their income. They give away a certain percentage of their income. Um, and they really focus each year on trying to get those details right. Um, as I just mentioned, some of the, the contribution limits that we're seeing, they've increased for 401ks, for IRAs. And for most people, when we live our life, we don't, you know, we don't just make one huge contribution at the end of the year. A lot of times it's, it's more consistent. It's easier if you make small contributions, you know, inch by inch, life's a cinch, that kind of stuff. Uh, so if you just focus on small improvements each year, uh, you can see dramatic improvements. That's one of the things that I've tried to encourage our clients with. I try to encourage anybody that I talk with is that usually all or nothing answers are wrong. So if you take, if you wait to make one huge uh, decision. Usually that's a wrong decision. It's a lot of really small decisions that usually lead to the best outcome. And so at least in my experience, that's what I would encourage you to think about. A lot of times it's not the really big things. It's the small things uh, that really make a difference. So what you're saying in football terms here is three yards in a cloud of dust versus the Hail Mary toward the end zone at the end of the game, right? That's right. Yeah, that's that's exactly. I, I wonder where you got that analogy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Jonathan, as always, we we thank you for um, uh, for your insight uh, and look forward to catching up with you again uh, several times throughout the course of the year. We've got contact information uh, for Allen Wealth Management here in the show notes for anybody that's interested in getting a hold of Jonathan and his team. You've got all of that information right at your fingertips. So, Jonathan, thanks again. Look forward to talking to you soon. My pleasure. Have a great day. That does it for this episode of Mind Your Business. A reminder once again to subscribe to this program wherever you get your podcast. We will bring you weekly updates from the business world here in Northwest North Carolina. You can also visit us online anytime at boonchamber.com. So long, everybody.